Jean! No! An X-Men The Animated Series Podcast. Hello, and welcome back to Jean! No! An X-Men The Animated Series Podcast. I'm your first co-host, Sarah Musek. I'm second co-host, Drew Kunis. And I'm your third co-host, John DeBerry. John DeBerry, welcome to Gene No. We're so glad to have you here. Drew is an old vet by now, so we're 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 used to we're used to Drew. We're gonna I know Drew's like what? <laughs> yeah, I'm tired of me as well. <laughs> hey man, I'm tired of me. I'm editing these. <laughs> But in all seriousness, Jen, we're so glad that you're here. We were connected by our mutual awesome friend, Anna Marquardt, uh, because I understand that you have you have a couple things. You have a book, but also you originated a drink <laughs> based on the Dark Phoenix. Is this correct? Yes. Yeah, and the and the drink that the Dark Phoenix is based on is in is in this book. So, oh, so tell us about it. So, uh, what's it called? What, what's it? What's it about? How did it happen? Well, uh, so I am a kind of semi-retired bartender, and so I used to work in bars and restaurants in New York City, uh, and I transitioned to basically being a writer about five years ago, and I wrote my first cocktail book. It was called Drink What You Want, and then uh, when it came time to write my second book, I was sort of like, I don't know, how do I just do something completely ridiculous? And so I decided to write a book, cocktail book that was all about the 90s. Yes. Uh, and with a name like Saved by the Bellini, like it's really hard. Like you just, it's just like it writes itself almost. So it got very Totally. Lucky you know what that book material. is. And I was, yeah, exactly. It's just like, it just <laughs> came out. And I was born in 1982. So I was like my kind of formative tween to, you know, high school years were spent. Um, in that decade. And so I have a lot of very salient and fond memories uh, that I was able to dig up and make into cocktails. And so memories of you, of you drinking when you were growing up? Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I drank a little bit. My parents were oh. big wine people. So there's that, but like memories okay. of like this, like TV shows and movies and books like Tamagotchi and, you know, pump sneakers and Jurassic Park oh. and Sonic and then you like dis distill those memories down into cocktails. Exactly. And so I made, I, I picked like 60 something things that I loved and I wanted to make drinks all based on them. And one of the things that I loved from the nineties was like, I mean, X-Men yes. in general, but like the animated series was kind of like the, the, the central kind of text for me <laughs> as far as X-Men are concerned. I was oh, really into wow. the X-Men cards, the, the 92. Oh, the 92. The yes. I was a 94 they girl, really but nice. excellent. Yeah. What are these cards? I don't know about them. And so just to just to fill in for anybody who doesn't know, these were trading card sets put out by Marvel in the early 90s. They were typically done by comic book artists, although by the time that 94 rolled around, they also had like uh like fantasy artists, like painters doing like these incredible oh. images of these heroes we all know and love. And so they were highly collectible. Oh, cool. So yeah, X-Men was X-Men was really important to me as a, as you know growing up and I think that there's like a lot of allegory with like being queer mm -hmm. uh in X-Men so I kind of like always kind of held it with me and I thought that the Dark Phoenix saga was like kind of the coolest storyline mm -hmm. you know that executioner song is also kind of cool but like um it was just one of the most like kind of memorable ones for me so I thought that I would create a cocktail that sort of evoked that like fiery like dark dark red to yellow to orange to like the like the sky that kind mm. of embodies like the overall vibe of like 
the story where it's like this human woman and she's inhabited by this creature and it's from the, it's from space and there's the sun and there's flames and it's like very destructive um so so that's that's the cocktail in the book that that references x-men animated series is the dark phoenix can you tell us any of the ingredients don't get don't give us the recipe because people need yes. to go buy yeah, saved go by, with, the go bully. by the book but <laughs> <laughs> uh but it's it's basically it's actually the drink itself is pretty pretty simple as far as like you know it's not like a wildly complicated drink but it's basically this special grenadine recipe from the book that has some extra ingredients like black tea and saffron in it so it has this kind of rich uh like deep texture and it's layered with like orange juice and vodka and like seltzer on the top so it has like this gradient to it so it looks like the flame coming out um, although there's actually it, it, the, it's in the book, but also I have like a, a monthly YouTube show with Food Fifty Two, and we did a Dark Phoenix like we did it on camera, so you can go see. Oh it looks like yes, it. John! Yeah. Oh, I'll that's have to great. Get that link from you so that I can post that, yeah. and folks can go see that. That's sure. fantastic. Yeah. By the way, uh, so I, I I think that if you're listening to this, you should go to a bar and demand a Dark Phoenix from the bartender. <laughs> when, if they act confused about what it is, tell them the recipe makes them catch yep. on. Absolutely. Like fire, right? Get it? Okay. <laughs> oh, so congratulations on the book. I am very excited Thank to you. drink a Dark Phoenix. I, I grew up in early, or I was born in early 1983, so I'm just behind you. you and uh, I, I suspect yeah. I share some some similar memories of that bygone era the 90s so excellent so jenna how did you discover the x-men how did they come into your life that's a really good question i think it was something that was just like a you know through school uh friends in school i I think that the trading cards was really like that was what was the entry point for me where it was like this fad where people would just like have trading cards and there was this like there was a there was a store called the dragon's den in my in my town now it's like a td bank or something sad but like basically they had like every comic book like they had sports memorabilia they had like hacky sacks and like all those little mini hockey sticks i don't know oh fun (laughs) and so you just go there and you just like see all this cool stuff and you're like oh x-men like and you have like and and then marvel like is like avengers like never really caught on with me like i was kind of into thor because like he's like hot or whatever but like the x-men was like it for me because it was like aliens and mutants and it was like kind of high tech yeah um and so it was the cards i think at first and then i started to get into the comics i had the sega genesis game yes which is sort of based on the animated series i think and mm-hmm. i kind of want to play it again but i also kind of don't because it's probably bad um <laughs> and then it just kept going you know it's just like <laughs> the animated series was on at like what like a, like it was like 10 a.m on mm-hmm. saturday or something something yep. like that um and so that was sort of part of my like saturday routine and i guess it just kept, kept it continued past the 90s with like the movies that started off kind of strong with them mm-hmm. speaking mm-hmm. of dark phoenix uh, speaking of where, yeah you know great but (laughs) good so anyway i'm very excited about today's episode after a few like what i would refer to as i'll be honest i think they were throwaway episodes between the phoenix saga and the dark phoenix saga we are we have finally arrived we have finally arrived at the special grenadine recipe of episodes With the first episode of the Dark Phoenix Saga, Dazzled, which, of course, if you are an X-Men fan, you already know that we are set up to meet Allison Blair, a.k.a. 
Dazzler. So let's get into it. There is yeah. there is no previously on X Men, which means I've learned <laughs> I've learned this season. If there's no previously on X Men, we're going to get a big time flashback in the episode. They just like build it into uh, the episode, uh, and then they don't have to. Oh my gosh! Wow. Um, I thought that there were, but before we start, just some impressions in the episode. Uh, our ginger count increased by one. Uh, <laughs> yes, it did. Yeah, yes, it did. Uh, I, I'm, 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 keep, I'm, I'm keeping track. There are a lot of gingers in the show. I don't know if it's associated genetically with X-Men. I think it is. I am I a ginger. And it, secondarily, I noticed in this episode, a lot of people doing a nude lip. Mm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. There are some fashion choices in this episode, mm. both episodes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We find out that Phoenix actually has. This might be a common knowledge. She actually has her own fashion sense. She manifests her outfit. Mm-hmm. That's true. She does. Yeah, I mean, right. but and we. I feel like the first person we saw do that was Storm. I think in a season one, episode one, Storm's at the mall. She calls forth the lightning, and suddenly she is Storm. You know, and it just it, and the lightning <laughs> just like moves up her body and turns into a costume, and we're all like, yeah, that's. That's cool. That makes sense to me. That's how you get dressed. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) So uh, scene one, I love that they open, at least they open sonically big with bagpipes. So we know exactly where we are. We are at the Muir Island Research Center to, and we hear the cawing cry of Phoenix. Oh no, this research center, it looked like, I don't want to describe it. It kind of looked like a building complex that, but like all the buildings were gun shaped. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> no, you, 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 you clocked that, right? <laughs> uh, inside <laughs> one of the large gun-shaped buildings, uh, there is a large kind of round chamber. Jean Grey is in her Phoenix costume. She's like suspended from the ceiling. Moira, Banshee, and Professor Ox, uh, Professor X watch from a nearby control booth. And, you know, I guess they put aside their previous tensions because, you know, the professor used to be in love with Moira and now Moira is in love with Sean. Now he's in love with an alien empress. Everything's cool, guys. <laughs> yeah, and so like they, they, I think they're performing therapy, right? They call it therapy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Trying to heal her, right? And she's like, she's suspended in this room with a control panel, and then there's just a Scottish woman who's going, "What happened to you, Jean? What happened to you inside the sun?" <laughs> I wrote it down phonetically. Which was exactly try. I I can't do do like the clicking R, but like try to remember. You were possessed by the Phoenix. You took the Imkron crystal. Oh, that was it. Imkron crystal. That was it. Uh, Into the sun. What happened to Eugene inside the sun? Why hasn't the Phoenix left you? And Jean just screams, and there are (laughs) monitors which look a lot. I'll be honest, and Jada, I don't know if this is true for you. It looked a lot like my family's stereo growing up. Uh, with like all the panels. Drew, did your family have like a big stereo cabinet? Mine did. Yeah, they did. I was super not allowed to touch it. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I have a question. Have you ever noticed how like in X-Men a lot of the times is that instead of having like a drywall, it'll just be made of like device? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like it'll be like, it'll be like metal and have like lines and panels and like. Like everything's a cartridge. Yes. Yeah. 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 Hey guys, that was the future. That was future technology. Where's my panels? Nude lip, by the way, on Moira. Oh yeah, but Mo- but Moira's always been a nude lip lady. I think she's not. She typically doesn't flaunt her sexuality. She does like sexy science librarian sort of. I feel like that's yeah, her move. Yeah, yeah, I know. It, it's it's it, 
It's it a good one. Her. Let's get in there. Yeah. yeah. So the professor assures Jean that they're with her, but then the phoenix from inside Jean says, so am I. And the professor, <laughs> I love that he asks her, why are you still here? Which I think is like something, I don't know. I mean, it's a valid question, but I, I'm not sure I would have asked it that way. Yeah, exactly. Well, they've been doing this therapy for weeks, mm-hmm. right? We find out like, in I think in the next scene when... Uh, or, or, or shortly afterwards, we find out they've been doing this for weeks. Do you think that they've just, they're like trying different variations of the same question over and over again? Yeah, that could be today we asked it as, why are you still here? And in previous sessions, they <laughs> asked something else. Here? Yeah, I think that makes sense. Uh, oh, yeah. And then Phoenix's <laughs> power just blasts through Jean's face. Like she's just like vomiting light through like her mouth and like her eyes. Like her, all her orifices. Yeah. yeah. They're just shooting out rays of light. Right. It's it's like it's scary looking like it's mm-hmm. it, it doesn't look comfortable for anyone involved. And she trashes the whole yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. She just trashes it. The thing that they do they just have that device to to like excise like aliens from people's brains? Is that something they built for this or there's a market in Scotland. Yeah. It looks like maybe they built (laughs) it for something else or something that they just like jury rigged together where they're like, This should work based on like other things. Do you think that do you think they built it for the Queen? Yes. Mm. Yeah. Well, I, I, I mean, the last episode that I talked about, uh, there was a giant spaceship, and it was exactly one mile long, which implies the British made it to space. <laughs> so I think anything's possible. There's a lot that's possible. Checks out. Uh, yeah. So uh, then we get, I also wrote this out phonetically. Moira McTaggart says, I'm sorry, Charles. I've done all I knew to do for her. <laughs> like oh oh <laughs> lay it on Ugh. thick and uh gene just hangs in the air eyes closed and thinks help me scott but where is scott <laughs> scott is on a date with gambit at the club <laughs> yeah they're like having <laughs> a, a night on the town and gambit's all like loosen yeah. up and he does not because he is cyclops he does not loosen up Although he he is out of uniform, Gambit looks very suave. He's wearing one of those like jackets with like a scarf, like a tuxedo mm-hmm. scarf. Mm-hmm. Gambit's um, worn that before, a... and that is his like sexy. That's his like sexy nighttime outfit. Sexy civvies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. That's that's it works for him. The club is interesting. It's um, it seems to be like a hybrid of a lot of different things. So there's a stage on one side. There are a bunch of tables, right, where two people are sitting. And then there's like a little dance area. All three of these activities are happening at the same time, but it doesn't seem crowded. And up on this stage, there's like a woman who's singing a song that sounds a lot like La Isla Bonita. Mm-hmm. I yes, know, that was I was trying to place that. song I could think. Yeah. And she's like, she's she's up there alone, which, by the way, is terrifying, especially because the stage, I don't know if you, any of you noticed this, there's no door off the stage. So just to get off the it's stage, there. you have to like, just kind of walk through the audience Mm -hmm. like there's no separation (laughs) of performer and crowd like it just seems like i mean i've been to places like that in new york city so it doesn't seem that far off yeah i don't i don't want the crowds i don't want the crowds knowing me i want them to think of me as a god and um (laughs) so she doesn't have that opportunity right and she's kind of just up on stage and just dancing but like and like singing this song and kind of just making dazzles appear Mm -hmm. like jubilee but like they're just like they're just like flashes of light that could give you a seizure. Like they're not like 
Right? Would you, would you agree with my description like, of this? There could be a warning, you know, strobe lights in effect, for sure. Yeah. yeah. No, the club, also, I people are just with... cool with with mutants just, like, using their powers just in the club. Like, they're not going to be sketched out or they, scared or, like, They don't know. Like, this the thing about Dazzler is, like, no, everybody thinks it's just a light show, and they're like, those are cool effects. <sighs> and so they're just like, Got her it. show, oh. like, has really cool lighting effects, and they don't know it's her. Wow. Oh my gosh. Okay. I was thinking, okay. Okay. The story that I made in my head because the club is called Club M was that it was Club M for Mutant and it was like a secret mm-hmm. mutant club. Oh. Um, but yeah, that, okay. That totally makes sense. Oh, what a weird power. Uh, here's the thing though, like as lame as her power is, and it is lame factually. So as lame as her power is, right. Um, it's, it's like Jubilee is like her, but without a job. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or like any ambition. Just Jubilee is just sitting there being like, oh just no, that. I'm always being rescued. Eh, I have a trench coat, and but I'm showing my midriff. I don't know how to dress her any weather, right? <laughs> but Jubilee, in her defense, is 15. And like, as although as yeah. a 15-year-old, I was actually ready to get a job for a variety of reasons. But uh, uh, yeah, although here's what I'll say is I think I actually think that X-Men the Animated Series does not do justice to Allison Blair's powers uh, because in the comics, they're actually like quite cool and powerful. And even in uh, the Age of Apocalypse, which is one of my my talking about favorite big crossovers, uh, she can make hard light projections. And so she basically can make projections. So you think something is there that's not sort of thing and so like she would make like she could like hard light project us like a sentinel like something that big and people would be like oh no like a sentinel is coming but like it's just her power so she's like she is cool but this this episode gave us no indication of that at all yeah the way it's portrayed is like have you ever made that have you ever seen someone whose iphone it flashes for a notification mm-hmm. and it like kind of distracts everyone around them <laughs> and conversation stops for a moment that's her power and you're like am i having a stroke or not and you're like mm-hmm. no it's, it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway she i guess she oh no she doesn't finish her set cyclops or she's about to finish her set but cyclops gets up because he's like gene needs me and he as he's leaving he passes by an alley where there are some goons which if you if you know the dark phoenix saga you know that they're the hellfire clubs goons and they are wrestling i mean and somehow she made it outside like very quickly to your point you're there must have been like a concealed door because like if Cyclops went out the main door, she like had to get out somehow. Uh, yeah. And then there's a blonde guy in an old timey outfit. I presumed it was Donald Pierce. It was Donald Pierce. And then we get that like old timey Cyclops line. Hands off the lady. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I can't like I can't explain how weird all of this was so like she walks out of the club there's someone in like a george washington outfit he's wearing like super tight knickers and like a satin vest and like a jacket right it's all color coordinated and he has like old-timey george washington hair right um and then there are like two guys and like i don't know how to describe it like like i want to say like japanese theater mask mm-hmm. or kind of like imagine like a phantom of the opera mask but it's mm-hmm. full face like it's kind of crash yeah, test dummy uh, yeah 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 exactly so they're like there are like two of them that are like wearing these masks and they're just like kind of trying to kidnap dazzler Mm -hmm. right and like cyclops sees all of this and is like it seems like something might be wrong with this situation and then like he blasts them with his vision Mm -hmm. right yeah he yells like hands off the girl 
and, and then I think with the George Washington guy, he like reached into a nearby car and pulled engine. out the engine and then threw the engine at Cyclops. Yeah, right? so he's part cyborg and he has cybernet has a cybernetic arm, which obviously has like much more strength and, and grip and what have you than than a normal arm, right? Like I can't I love the sound effects for his arm. <laughs> Can you can you do an imitation like, of that? <laughs> it's like it's like a pneumatic like thing. It's just so ridiculous. I I yeah. do love that he like rips off his sleeve to show it. Like I want you yeah. to know what's hap- what I've how this is happening. And then I do really love that he asks Cyclops, "Don't you know who you're dealing with?" And Cyclops just says, "No, should I?" Like I I don't no. I don't know who you are. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then so yeah. his name is Donald Pierce. He's gonna impale Cyclops with an uprooted street sign when commercial break. Okay, then we come back from yeah. commercial break, and uh, <laughs> Allison Blair steps in. She blinds him, and then she like I don't know, John, if you thought that this was out of character, but she does a really sultry like "Thank you for saving me." And yeah, yeah, she she's a husky mm, voice. Mm. So it's kind of sets up the storyline that you kind of touch on later, but it. The, the the episode sets up them later, but it's like it's not actually like it's just. Do they ever explain why she's getting kidnapped by them? Like, there's just like a random mugging. No, or like, so they're trying to recruit they, her. Well, they originally they know about her powers, and so she was supposed to be the one before Phoenix. Like, she was like the first candidate oh. before Emma is like, hey, gotcha. I have somebody else for us who's like significantly better. Who's better. Got it. Oh, interesting. Okay. And uh, yeah, so I think that Dazzler openly hits on Cyclops and tells him to come back tomorrow in case they come back. And he's like, he keeps a business. I would like to talk to you about your mutant powers, (laughs) which was kind of... Your mutant powers. Yeah. And she's like, it's a date. And it's like, I don't even... And I have to give Cyclops credit because I don't think he's actually trying to have a date. I think he's just he genuinely wants to talk to her about her mutant powers. Yeah, she's like very aggressive because the last thing she says about the guys who are trying to kidnap her is some guys can't take no for an answer. And then he, she just completely ignores all of Cyclops' signals about being like, I don't want this to be a date. Just, However, I've also like, done that, and I have also ignored that. <laughs> where it's like, oh, like in retrospect, it's like, oh, they were not available, and I was just really hopeful, you know, like looking for any sign of interest. And fortunately, I've moved yeah. beyond that. And my boyfriend makes it very clear that he's interested in me, so I don't have to do that <laughs> no more. <laughs> Meanwhile, at home, Wolverine is making a sandwich. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Oh yeah, so we got a great zoom in at the mansion. Did you realize they have a pool in the that back? Pool like a is huge so pool It's like half the size of this mansion. Yes. I, I yeah, also wrote that down that it is, is half the size it's of the mansion. Old... <laughs> yeah. Do you notice there is a diving board but it's only a high dive? Oh, I, I missed it. It's the X-Men. Yeah, I think it's great. Except the, if you really think about it, like a diving board really only appeals to like maybe like three quarters of the X Men, right? Like Storming gonna need a diving board, right? Like she can just fly up in the air, <laughs> rogue, right? Like who who really needs like who? Yeah. Anyway, you got you got what I'm trying to say. It's funny you mentioned uh, but yeah, that. Yeah, we, we zoom into the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's funny you mentioned that because I do think that there no, no, is. Yeah. I do think that I have in my head a panel where. I think Rogue does dive off the high dive, um, but I think it was just an opportunity for like the artist to do the dive with her boobs falling, if you know what I mean. So I think <laughs> I think it wasn't a character based yeah. choice. 
That's wonderful. Yeah, yeah, for some. Yeah. Yeah, if you can fly and jump off the jump off the high dive, are you falling or are you flying downwards? I mean, we're gonna have to have Rogan to find out. Girl, what were you doing? Yeah, come on. <laughs> so yeah, Wolverine's Wolverine's making a sandwich and one of my favorite lines. And- Where's the blasted salami? I can smell it. Yeah, he's great. He's standing there. He's he's wearing like a black muscle tee and he is slicing salami with his claws. He goes up in one motion, making, I guess, like three or four slices and then down <laughs> another one, making three or four slices. He's like a human vegetti. It's fantastic. It's so good. I, I wrote down that it, I wrote, I wrote a note. It is so satisfying to see Wolverine use his claws to slice deli meat. <laughs> and then, um, then I, I so I have a question. Mm-hmm. I then um when Cyclops came in, he said something really casual to Wolverine. I don't super remember what it was. It was like, "Hey, buddy, how's your night going?" or something, mm-hmm. right? And I was like, "Oh, they're on speaking terms." Yep. And he says he met an interesting woman, right? And then like, yeah, they seem like pretty like okay, right? Because Cyclops is even like, "You're gonna have to make me a sandwich," and Wolverine seems okay with that. Then maybe <laughs> he will make Cyclops a sandwich. Yeah. I mean, my head canon is that they're a throuple with Jean Grey, so that's just well. That's like what's up right now. The domestic life. Yeah, that. that's yeah. what's up. Are you reading the comics right now, John? <laughs> no, I'm not. Should I okay. be? Yeah, no. It's it's a they're, they're sort of a what's a what's the throuple? What's the what's the quad? I don't know. They, it's the te- the foursome tetrad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a polycule could be polycule. Yeah, thank you. you yeah, it's sort of, yeah, it's really it's really like a thruple plus like Emma for Scott. Like so, basically, what's what's happened is uh, when the X Men founded Krakoa a couple of years ago, which is their like island nation, they uh, Jonathan Hickman, who was the main writer, he's really big on diagrams and data, and so he will give you diagrams of like the universe and the concepts and all that stuff in addition to the story. And one of the things that he created was they had all like the living quarters and he had diagrams of all the living quarters and there was scott gene in the middle logan on the other side with doors all the way through so like the fans who are like reading close and then it's uh, you know are like oh we actually are doing like polyamory now and it is kind of open in the in the comics now wait they live in like one railroad apartment it's a well it's like a large building on the moon but yeah (laughs) oh my god (laughs) Oh, I love yeah. that. I love that. Yeah, it's like it's basically it's called the summer house. It's in the it's in the blue area of the moon where the, the inhumans used to live. And it was basically anyone who was a summers kind of lived there with like special quarters for a Wolverine. Wow. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, so we see some seeds of that being sown here to bring it back. So so Gene Gene arrives. Enter Gene. Psycho speaking of different signals cyclops picks up gene spins her around but she does not hug him back <laughs> i know i know Mm-mm-mm. and uh she leaves and cyclops is so mad he slams his fists on the counter so much drama it's hopeless yeah. and the professor comes in he's basically just like buck up uh it says if gene is to have any chance of survival she needs to have strength from you from your psychic rapport you may be her only hope thus seeding something the a super important plot point for the next two episodes scott and gene are psychically yeah. linked so i have a question does the professor not know the word for love <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I wouldn't be surprised it's like you seem to have some sort of strange psychic emotional connection, connection with each other <laughs> is that like the word kill Something like they can't say love yeah. yeah they can't say love either yeah, exactly. they can't. 
Oh, man. No, I mean, the professor's just kind of awkward when it comes to interpersonal things. I really love one of our other hosts, whenever he, Michael Short, whenever he does a Professor X impression, it always sounds like Christoph Waltz. It's like real, it's like extra weird. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, no, Drew, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. Now, speaking of George Washington, we get some old-timey harpsichords at a dark mansion. I wrote, must be the Hellfire Club, but we can't say Hellfire on Saturday morning cartoons, so it is the Circle Club. Oh, I see. I was wondering about that when you said it before. Yeah, it's like it's like this big, like, brownstone-style building or something, right? It says the Circle Club and, like, stone over it. This is founded in 1724. Mm-hmm. I believe it's like a restaurant or, like, a social club or something, and the villains are in the top floor. Is that... Yeah. I think it like masquerades is a private club and then there's like a private private club inside the normal club. Yeah. The inner circle. If oh, you know. the inner circle. Oh. Yeah. So I was wondering like, what are these staff people doing? Like, did they know that there's like supervillains everywhere and they were just like totally cool with it? Like, I don't like. Yeah. Do supervillains pay well? Like, yeah. <laughs> Usually. Yeah, I was going to say Kingpin. Do you think does. they. Yeah. Do, or, I mean, I don't know. Do you think they tip well? Actually, Which you know X-Men what? do you think tips the highest? I want Gambit. it to be Warren Worthington the third, but I feel like that's, it might be Gambit. Yeah, Gambit. That's really smart. By the way, so did you notice it said it was founded in 1724? Uh, I went and looked this up. Guess what the population of New York was uh, it, in the year 1700? Tell us. Like 5,000. That is exactly correct. 5,000. What? Yeah. John, by a and lot by of 17, By 1770. Six, the year of the American Revolution, it was up to 25,000. Um, oh my God. And then by the end of the century, it was like 60,000 or something. But yeah, it was like, it was, there were probably like 10,000 people living there when they built this gigantic building. So nuts. Yeah. Anyway, inside, uh, Donald Pierce is rationalizing his defeat to the Black King. Oh, and one thing to know about the Hellfire Club Inner Circle is that their positions are based on chess. So we have a white queen. Sebastian Shaw is the Black King. Jean Grey, when she's brought on, is the Black Queen. And uh, yeah, and Harry Leland, our our, uh, robust bearded friend uh is the black bishop uh down pierce is yeah, the white yeah. bishop so yeah, yeah. He, he has a thick base, thick base. yeah that guy. correct so all, all of all of them they're wearing like imagine the jacket like the hamilton style jacket right they look like the cast of hamilton mm-hmm. right and then, they're like from 1724 yes. yeah. like they just picked up the clothes like <laughs> and then like they're um their pants are like tights and they're drawn with like the level of like superhero vascularity that like the illustrators normally use. So it looks really jarring. It's basically just looks like, like the quad brothers walking around. <laughs> yeah. It looks great. <laughs> yeah. And, and you've got, cause you've, you've got those legs for all different tastes, right? Like Shaw's real, like muscular Leland's mm-hmm. like thick. Yep. You get, you got somebody a little more live than Jason Weingard or Donald Pierce. So Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So anyway, Shaw and Leland are not impressed with Donald Pierce's failed efforts to procure Allison Blair. Uh, and Leland even says, like, don't send a cyborg to do a man's job. And it's like, oh, mean, that. especially for a mutant to say. Yeah. 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 He was like, he responded to something really funny. He was like, being half machine makes me no less a man, Leland. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, and I did look up Leland's powers because when he kind of used that, like what looked like like purple electricity, he his powers are to increase the mass of an object or person, making it extremely heavy. So that's oh, why next oh. episode Wolverine or this episode, I, whichever one, Wolverine falls through all those floors, and like how oh. he's able to bring Donald Pierce down is he's increasing the mass of his arm. That's pretty cool. He definitely wow. looks like he increased cool the mass power. of his own ass a lot. Mm-hmm. Dad ass. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. The mass of dad ass. I'm bringing everybody into orbit. So here comes uh, Jason Weingard, who those of us who know know that his code name is Mastermind. He's kind of an anomaly in the inner circle because he kind of has his own machinations and is kind of his own person he was actually if i recall correctly an early villain for the x-men in the 60s and then reappeared here in the hellfire club so he he has kind of a life beyond this and emma frost the white queen this is my favorite version of emma frost i am not a huge fan of like emma frost has been a hero for maybe like the past decade and change um but i really love evil Emma Frost and she's gay she's a telepath and she uh announces that she's found someone with more power than even you can imagine they call her dot 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 the phoenix and then we get the exposition which is why we didn't have previously on (laughs) x-men because then we get a recounting of the whole phoenix saga and we're all (laughs) brought up to date just before the exposition starts when Emma walks in um Someone is drinking a glass of water, and then, oh no, sorry, she walks in, she starts drinking someone else's glass of water, there's only one glass of water in the room, and then the robo-arm guy, he knocks it over by accident or something, and then I think, uh, like, Weingard or Wingard goes, yeah, that'll come out of your quarterly dues. Yeah. So we find out they pay quarterly dues for this thing. Anyway, (laughs) and then a huge flashback starts. Yep. No, but I appreciate you calling attention to that, because how does this run, really? Yeah, exactly. We we do know there's a chairman of the organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the is yeah. Sebastian Shaw. I, I'm guessing chairman is the externally, or I, I don't know how secret it is. You, usually he's just the black king, but yeah, he's the he's the leader. Yeah, I mean, it seems like they might be incorporated, and I feel like it just yeah, it's LLC, S corp. Like, what is the structure mm-hmm. here? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Five hundred one c three. Like, what is it? Yeah. <laughs> So we do in the exposition, we also get some new information, which is that which honestly I have been waiting for, because in a previous episode, they're like jeans back and then we never found out how that happened. And so we find out that after depositing the crystal in the sun, she returned to Earth. The X-Men just find her on a rock somewhere and rescue her. So Little Mermaiding. I love that rock. She she like crashes into the ocean. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then she like. Like there's big waves, she kind of makes the ocean she's boil a little bit. Right? And she gets what? And she she's like, yeah, she's tossed around. She's on she's this like, rock, uh, waves crashing behind. Yeah, our beautiful red hair. No, that 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 that. It's like out. an herbal. It's like a, It's like an herbal essences commercial. <laughs> she yeah. she wants to be a part of our world, everyone. Uh, yeah. So uh, Emma Frost uh, states uh, basically sets up the the big one. Tradition demands that power such as the Phoenix should be wielded by us, the inner circle. And Mastermind says that the Phoenix is only as strong as the mind that controls her, and the mind is the place to attack. So we know how they are going mm. in. By the way, they're in a gigantic room. It's a double-story library. It's enormous. I'd, I'd say it's probably six to a hundred feet on a side. There's a fireplace. There's one chair. Mm-hmm. Got to got to stand yeah. hands on hips 
right? And and <laughs> and look serious and statesmanly. Yeah, standing meetings go faster. They run in about half the time or something, right? Yep, that's science. That's how they keep their or that's how that's how they keep a corporation running since 1724. <laughs> that's how they keep their dues low. <laughs> yeah. All right, so back at the mansion. Oh, yeah. hey, question. How in this flashback, I think that we saw Jean Grey get the power of the Phoenix. Mm-hmm. She was like driving a space shuttle and then the power of the Phoenix just like inhabited her body or something. Is there anything else that we need to know about that? I never really understood how she became the Phoenix. Right. The professor kind of sent them on this mysterious mission to the space station. And uh, anyway, after fighting Eric the Red, they are coming back. And I, somebody has to pilot the shuttle. Rogue's not there. And so the sort of the only, oh, and they're going to go through like the, uh, what is it? The energy contrail of Empress Lelanger's ship. And basically no one will survive unless they're shielded. So everybody gets inside this shielded probe. The only one with powers to shield themselves and fly the space shuttle is Jean. And something happens where the Phoenix inhabits her as a result of her passing through this energy contrail. Oh, all right. That makes sense. Yeah, I guess. I guess if the Phoenix is inside yeah. the energy contrail, but, but I don't question that too much. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just trying to imagine a world where there's like, like another person is Phoenix or something. Oh, yeah. Like one. That yeah, had, yeah that happens later. And the Phoenix obviously can exist independently of a host as well. But she often prefers a host. Interesting. Yeah. I kind of feel like Jubilee was... Like, there's another universe where Jubilee is the phoenix, and she's, like, Mm -hmm. less useless. And the only reason she exists in this universe is because in that universe, she was the phoenix. You may be right. The phoenix, actually, there's a – there was a storyline – probably within the last decade to 15 years where the Phoenix gets fractured into multiple pieces and inhabits Phoenixes, Cyclops, Emma, Colossus, Magic – and I think like one other person and Cyclops kills the professor, like while the Phoenix inhabits him. So anyway, that's Whoa. all been reset, but it was very oh, dramatic. Wow. Most recently it's been inhabiting Echo. I don't know if you all watched the watch Daredevil, uh, the TV series Daredevil, but there's a um, there's a character named Echo. Uh, oh, her. Oh, her. Yeah. yeah. She's been the, the Phoenix for a little yeah. while. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. yeah. Anything we're missing, Jen? <sighs> I don't think so. You, I mean, this is the closest reading of any TV show I've ever been a part of. So. <laughs> we try. We go for a close, a real... close shave, close reading. And an exegesis. Hey. Yeah. That's the, that's the term, right? Ex- X-Men exegesis. So the professor asks Jean what the phoenix wants. What we find out is that she hungers. Then we get the the light face vomit again, and Jean regains control. <laughs> uh, the professor Professor X leaves the room with Beast. And when he did, I drew. I know you always see the backgrounds. Did you notice there was like a giant electrical outlet behind them? No, I did okay. not. It just—it was like a big circle with those two like bars in it. It's just like, what? Where's that giant plug? What are you gonna? What are you gonna plug in there, friends? Yeah, the professor's wheelchair. <laughs> you gotta charge it. Yeah. Well, I mean, he does use it as like for status a lot, where he like sits in it and then like raises it so everyone has to look up at him when he like has things to tell them. It is. 
so funny. I'm not sure when it is in the episode, but there's a point where, um, well, you know, actually, I'll, I'll get to it when you get to it. All good. So uh, Beast asks the professor what he saw in Jean's mind, and the professor responds, it's not what I saw, but what I felt. Phoenix's mind is becoming mm. dominant. So we get a little bit of a preview of what's about to happen. Meanwhile, in Jean's room, I really love that Cyclops is just like, uh, I have to go back to the club. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And Gina rightly calls him out on it. You would leave me to be with another woman. Maybe you'll need to protect her from me. Me. Mm, yes. So what I loved about this scene is, well, okay, I, I guess a few things. One, Jean is wearing lipstick in her sickbed mm -hmm. in contrast to people who have chosen to do a nude mm -hmm. lip. Two, um, <laughs> the way... <laughs> The the way that Phoenix says it, right? Like, so his feet. Does Phoenix have the hots for Scott? In addition to Gene, should I be imagining them as two separate consciousnesses? Or I kind of feel like it's like Phoenix is sort of like, is kind of like using Gene's like emotions as this sort of like drug. So she's like using Gene's like love for Scott and like just like kind of abusing him through her and like using that to just be like sick and twisted. Like that's my demented interpretation of oh interesting i think you're not wrong because we talk a lot more in the next episode about what the phoenix hungers for is sensation and novelty yeah. of experience and exactly. so i think that when the phoenix discovers inside of gene like oh you're into him like i'm into him harder you know sort of thing it's the chaos yes. yeah and then the third thing that i liked about this i think it was in this one um beast is it may have been in a flashback that like happens like earlier beast is wearing clothes mm -hmm. He's like standing there visiting, right? He's wearing, and not only, not just any clothes. He is wearing a t-shirt with like <laughs> a Daffy Duck style, like animated, like it's, there's an incredible level of detail for how small it is, right? But like a graphic tee with like a cartoon character on it's, it. It's Howard the Duck, which is owned by Marvel. Oh, oh. wow. Okay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's the blue t-shirt, right? God. In the flashback? Yeah, no, I think it's so. Like I, the MCU before yeah. the MCU. It, it totally is. Okay. Honestly, Chad, this is one of my favorite things. Is like in the cartoon, you don't have to wait a whole movie, like three hours to get like a teaser at the end of the credits to be like, oh, the character. Instead, it's just like dropping characters all over no, They're the just place. like, here, we'll go. Let's go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they have 27 minutes and they're just going to make it happen. Absolutely. You said it was in a flashback. So I did take away that Beast started wearing clothes and at some point in the interim time just gave them up altogether. Great. Well, that's why he doesn't have any friends and he has to read books all the time. Anyway, um, let's move on. I honestly, though, I think it has less to do with the clothes and more to do with his attitude based on some previous episodes. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, Emma is being a badass. She gets into Jean's mind. We find out the plan. She's going to connect Jean to Jason so he can use his power of illusion to create, or basically trap her in this fantasy world. And that happens basically immediately. We're in Jean's dream. She is underwater in a pretty pink ruffly dress with pearls swimming towards the surface and there is mastermind aboard his big old-timey ship and he dives in to save her yeah no I, okay so two questions or a question a comment mm. okay so one did anyone else think that he was like that character is kind of hot yeah mm, no <laughs> yeah no, okay. More, more power to both of you. Got it. Not, not on my end. No. Instant yes from John, and then delayed no from Sarah. 
I fully agree with you, John. I, he, he has like mutton chops, super broad shoulders. He just dives in there, right? All right, second thing, and this is a comment, okay? So he's wearing like, 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 like colonial clothes, right? And then when he makes a fantasy world, he's wearing the same clothes in his fantasy world, right? This guy is just like, he's like, he's like living his best life. He's like, no, I've made an aesthetic choice. I yeah. want to be living in a different time, right? This is my fantasy. I'm going to be doing this for fun for me as well as other people. That is true. And not to not to blow the, the wad on the next episode, but that's not what he actually looks like. That he is actually like when we see him in this episode in the real world, we are seeing his projection to other people. And underneath, yes. he is actually a, a different he looks very different, but so yeah. and th- that's why I asked if you both thought that he was hot because I feel he's like he, on. yeah, exactly. He's choosing to look like that. Oh, he could look like anything. Yeah, no, he's supposed. To, I understand. He's supposed to be hot. It just doesn't do a lot for he's me. He's fully living his fantasy. He is. He is. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and he gives her he yeah. gives her like a beauty mark, uh, and she's like, "This isn't right. It isn't my time." And he's just like, "You're upset. You almost drowned." And then we get like some weird, like transposed exposition, right? You don't remember stowing aboard my ship, desperate to sail to America? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And he's the only one on the ship. It's like a ghost <laughs> ship. It's really weird. Yep, and they um, just wait, make question. out. Does she always have that mole? No. No, okay, okay. Got it. Wait, he gives her a beauty mm-hmm. mark? Hot? Wait, what does that mean? I think, well, I think it's because it's old-timey times. I don't think it's a real beauty mark. I think it's like when the French did it. They were, because it wasn't it like oh. around like pre-French Revolution times, they would do fake beauty marks. Oh, I didn't know I that. Think so. Oh, gosh. Um, I just realized that uh, Philomena Kunk has like, uh, she has a, 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 like a mole slash beauty mark on her neck. And I can't, now that I've realized it, I like can't unrealize it. And it's very distracting. <laughs> All right, moving, moving on. on. So, so they're making out and Cyclops's face appears. What? Then Jean wakes up in her sick yeah. bed and sends Storm for a glass of water. We know she's going to be gone when Storm comes back. That just, this, yeah. 100%. Uh, Mastermind is real pissed off. And uh, they're like, and Emma's like, we have to get her tonight. Like, we have to do this tonight while like your power still uh is extended over her and so yeah so gene's gone yeah. when storm comes back and then uh then gene goes out goes to and the club she's not just gone her there, there's like a burn mark in her bed and she the, the window is broken yes. right the, she wasn't and what i think is weird about that is like she wasn't trapped in that room like at all right she could right, just like get storm up and leave would, yeah yeah, and then Phoenix was just like, "Peace out! I'm gonna break your house." Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's that's true. That's and she needs to send Storm to get a glass of water in order yeah. to escape. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, exactly. she could she could just blown through Storm. Yeah. Like, what's, what's the difference? Uh, also, Storm, Storm could have made the water. Us, by the way, Storm. <gasps> oh, it took her a water. long time to get that glass of water too. I have mm-hmm. to say, yeah, like there's no sink in the hundred. Yeah. yeah. Um, Storm was in casual wear. It's the first time that I've personally seen her in casual mm-hmm. wear. And casual wear for her consists of, um, like, uh, I want to say like a like a yellow and brown zebra striped cape that goes from the top of her head and like down her arms, and it's kind of like a onesie garment over her back. And then she has like normal clothes on underneath that. She looks phenomenal. And she kept the the lightning earrings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no, Storm is always uh, runway ready. Yeah. So Jean shows up. I have a question about up. the way that the powers are working. Yes. I feel like you'll know the answer to this because your knowledge is mind-boggling. Okay, so like, <laughs> so Mastermind can make the illusion in the real world, mm-hmm. but so is he using Emma as like a conduit in, in, in using an illusion like into Jean's mind? No, he has to be present with people in order to project his illusions. Uh-huh in the real world but because gene is distant then he needs emma's also i think it's a little different to be like hey everything else is the same it's just like my clothes versus like hey you're in a different world an entire world okay that makes sense yeah Yeah, so anyway uh gene shows up at the club we see her for the first time in the red outfit god i love the dark phoenix costume it's so good yeah uh, but she quickly turns back to her jeans wear, which is jeans make make sense, makes sense. Uh, in the club, Dazzler is the only <laughs> one singing to Scott, and Jean shows up just in time to watch Dazzler grab her man and like plop some lips right on his. Oh man, I can see why Jean would be upset. Yeah. Dazzler is the way that she's behaving with Scott is like she has 48 hours to get pregnant or she dies. <laughs> she's pretty thirsty. I like that. That's yeah, the secret like, subplot. Like, because like every actor, right? They need something to play. And so I'm sure they told the voice actors for Dazzler, like, you need to get pregnant in 48 hours or you're going to die. Uh, and Scott does not help the situation. He When he realizes Gene is there, what he says is, Gene, let me introduce you to a Dazzler. I think the appropriate thing would be to be like, Dazzler, no, I'm not interested in you that way. This is the woman I love. But he doesn't do that. Mixed well, maybe he's trying to recruit her into the polycule. The, oh, fair, fair. Uh, yeah, but then Mastermind is suddenly there. And Jean goes and makes out with him and calls him darling. And then Dazzler's like, looks like your ex-girlfriend now. Mm, catty. Yeah. I love this because as, so like this 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 very tall, broad-shouldered, handsome man wearing Hamilton clothes walks in, right? Jean has been doing, th- quote, therapy in Scotland, <laughs> right? Which because of her being hooked up in some room while Scottish woman says, how are you feeling, Jean? How are you feeling from back from the sun, right? So like, that's all she's been doing. She walks in and this guy is like, hey, babe, like they, they act like they know each other, right? And then they like leave arm and arm like two seconds later. And then Cyclops, who's like the Sherlock Holmes of the show, right? Looks at them and goes, I think something might be wrong here. <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's correct and he tries to follow uh but he is tackled by hellfire club goons and mastermind and gene get away but hey it doesn't matter because wolverine as he says the nose knows they just show up at the hellfire club uh headquarters they're just like they're just like there now it's there yeah yeah how did they find it yeah and well, well, I love the Wolverine's line, the nose, nose, wait, tough guy. Wait, I, yeah. wait, I have an idea about this, yeah. okay? So um, we, we see a little bit inside the Hellfire Club later, right? And uh, it, it, I think it's like a restaurant or something. There are waiters. They're walking around in colonial attire, right? Do you think that actually it's like a theme restaurant? It's like a medieval time style <laughs> restaurant. And they're just like, it couldn't be more obvious where they work, right? They're just like... <laughs> 
They're like, oh, we know exactly where to find you. Yeah, yeah, those are, it's the Hellfire Club. Here's here's the deal. I want that to be true because I enjoy a dumb theme restaurant. So I'm all in on that. Uh, Let's vote. I, I say I. Yeah, it's, it's definitely real. Great. All right, well, I'm changing my vote to be contrarian, but it still passes. So I love that Cyclops <laughs> is like, are you sure? And Wolverine tells him, I don't make mistakes about Gene. And my thought was like, oh, burn. (laughs) (laughs) Cyclops says, rogue up to the roof. She looks through the skylight just in time to see Jean marry Mastermind. (laughs) Sebastian Shaw is the officiant. And I was thinking, I didn't know Sebastian Shaw was an officiant of the Universal Life Church, but he clearly is. I am as well. Are either of you officiants? (laughs) No. No, unfortunately. No, no, I'm not. It's a great time. Recommended. Oh, my God. So, as this scene I thought was incredible because they're standing in a giant room with one chair, and uh, and you hear the voice go, you hear Sebastian Saw go, I now pronounce you man and wife. You may kiss the bride. And then they go in to kiss, and it's like, the X-Men get so alarmed. They're like, we have to stop the kiss. And then they like, that's the moment to break in through the window. Right. So I actually have a question. I was thinking about it, like, when do you consider the marriage to be official? Is it, is it that kiss? Mm-hmm. Is it when you say, I now pronounce you like, is there some other moment? Yeah. It's actually the, the I do moment because as the officiant, you have to ask oh. them if they enter into this, into their, of their own free will. Uh, and that is actually the thing that is the marriage. I love how they they go through. They all know they're manipulating her, and yet they still go through the idea of a marriage. Like, why do they even bother? Couldn't they just tell her that she's married to him, <laughs> and that would be it? Like, <laughs> I also hate that. I I hate her veil. I hate her bridal look. It is not not my favorite. Oh my god! So um, so when they're getting married, they're in they're in the double story library room with one chair, and then but like it fades into the fantasy world that she's in, and her veil. It's like. Okay. It's like a bowl it's like, with a It's like a bowl. <laughs> it's a bowl with a piece of fabric. That's correct. And when we say bowl, like it's not bowl like. It looks like a literal mixing bowl. It has the proportions and the size of a literal mixing bowl. It goes all the way around her head, right? It just has like some fabric going out the back. I, I like I don't I don't know what to make of it. Is it like that's not like a time period thing that's not like another culture thing right it's like an alien like i uh, theories i mean i think it might be based on some old-timey stuff because i just think about like modesty and like this idea that you know the bride has to be covered up so then like the husband can like be the only one to see her nakedness sort of thing but i don't know old Buckethead looked real modest that was <laughs> she was killing I think it she had, like sausage curls underneath i don't know there were quite that i had many questions but you're right they get so alarmed when they go in for the kiss which is also very little mermaid right because like yeah. gotta mm. stop the kiss we learned that gotta stop the kiss yeah she came up from like the depths of the ocean onto a ship with a handsome prince it's mm-hmm. she yeah 
Good point. Good point. So, but anyway, we finally get some really satisfying X-Men versus Hellfire Club fighting. So we find out that Sebastian Shaw gets stronger when people, he's an energy absorber similar to uh, Bishop, only his is like, you can hit him and he'll take that energy, for example. I love the line when Wolverine says to Donald Pierce, I hope you're into recycling. For, and uh, Leland makes Wolverine so heavy he falls through a bunch of floors into the sewers and oh man like oh it Storm just straight up electrocutes Leland she just straight up electrocutes him he goes oh, down yeah. she freezes Shaw up to the neck because that's how we do when Iceman would freeze people only up to the neck when Storm freezes people similarly only, only <laughs> the neck I love how so in this episode, right, whenever people attack, not oh, not Leland, um, the other guy, Pierce, yeah, they always attack his arm, and you see the arm like sparking and not working, mm-hmm. right? And I, I really that's because like normally when uh, X Men or enemies get hit, it's they kind of get taken out for a second. That's how the fights work, you know. It's like mm-hmm. oh, I'm shocked. Oh, I hit a wall, you know, right? And but like with him, it's like it looks like his arm is like physically broken, mm-hmm. and then somehow it just is like repaired the next mm-hmm, scene mm-hmm. yeah i yeah. think it's all like a... does he have like replacements that you can just swap out yeah got a spare <laughs> i think it's a wily e. coyote like i got smashed on the floor of the desert but it's cool i got i'm back <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so gene blast just straight up blast storm from behind we get that great storm line gene why and then we got not Jean. <laughs> only her body, only her delicious senses. I am Phoenix. And Mastermind tells I... Jean, good work, my love. She says, thank you, my husband. And then they like, tongue kiss. <laughs> gross. 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 Yeah. <laughs> anything. We're, we're, we're hitting the end of the episode. Ain't there any observations you guys didn't get to make? Thoughts you didn't get to share? I love how even though Jean is like extremely powerful, she's still and she's still in every scene. Basically, she's still fridged. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> like it's like you can't even escape that like super tired. Ah, <laughs> it's true. So in Jean, no, we always give out a couple of awards for performances, for lines, things like that. So friends. If we were to give out an Oscar to a character this episode, who would we give it to? Well, one of the characters mm. was acting themselves. Yeah, I was gonna a lot. say, right? It's um, it's what's his face? Um, Mastermind. oh my god, Mastermind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because yeah, he was acting. I like it. Yeah, he's acting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think I think that goes to Mastermind. And who do you think was the most valuable player character? I I I'll throw out Emma because I think she I think. I feel like she's the woman at the male corporation who does more than her share of the work and is also super powerful. Oh, yeah. Those men yeah. were like so high testosterone and competitive. They're all sitting there just like shitting on each other. And then she walks in and she's like, look, I've knitted all the dis- all of your disparate desires into a cohesive plan. <laughs> yeah. 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 I totally agree with you. She girl bossed the fuck out of the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, it's funny you mentioned that in the next episode, which we'll get to. I can't even tell you how many times the phrase pissing contest appears in my notes. There's just pee upon pee. And uh, yeah, anybody have a favorite line in this episode? Or is it blasted salami? Yes. <laughs> oh, mine is- when I first heard that, I wasn't looking at it. So I thought it was like kind of I thought it was like maybe like a 
innuendo and i was like what's happening and i'm like oh he's actually <laughs> literally making a sandwich literally salami yep <laughs> yeah uh mine is what happened to Eugene <laughs> inside the sun <laughs> what happened here <laughs> Good choice. <laughs> Friends, thank you so much yeah. for joining the podcast. This is been, John, it's been great to have you. I'm looking forward to your triumphant yeah, return really next fun. episode. So a couple questions for you. If someone wants to order Saved by the Bellini, how can they do that? Well, you can search for it on any search platform <laughs> you want. You can go to my website. It's johndeberry.com. Um, yeah, that's it. Awesome. I think that's probably, that'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. How do you spell Deberry? Oh, good, good question. It's J-O-H-N-D-E-B-A-R-Y. Yeah. .com. And Drew, where yeah. can people find you on the interwebs if they find want to find out what you're up to? At Drew Kunis on Instagram, K-U-N-A-S. Yeah. I'm at sarahmusic.com. If you want to follow the podcast, we're at gene-no with four O's. And we will see you next time for part two of the Phoenix Saga, The Inner Circle. Gene! No! An X-Men The Animated Series Podcast. 